Hey guys, it's time for Nina's Got Good News. Nina's a former TV news gal who used to share all the news. Now, as a mom and small businesswoman, she wants to share only the good stuff. It's time to brighten your day. So here's your host, Nina B. Clark. Hi everyone, how are you? Thanks Dan for that introduction. First and foremost, I just wanna say to all of you listening out there, we are thinking of you all right now. I just feel like I wanna say, woo! 2020 has been quite a year. I don't even know where to begin on that note, but I'm sending you all my positive vibes and all my good wishes. I do think that sharing good news is more important than ever before. And remember, that's always been the mission of this podcast since I launched it back in 2018. And of course, I had no idea that we would be needing good news more than ever right now in 2020. So here we are, we are gonna be sharing a story today, a very positive success story for 2020. It's episode number 81. Have you ever wanted to take a passion for something and turn it into a successful business? Well, my next guest is gonna share her story of success and share all her valuable advice with all of us today. Maggie Lord's passion for weddings started at the age of 13. She then turned it into a blog, Rustic Wedding Chic, in 2008, sharing all of her wedding knowledge. She's also written six books. Yes, six books. She has grown a huge following on social media. And just recently, she was able to sell her highly successful wedding blog to the world's leading bridal authority, David's Bridal. So if you want to monetize a blog, this episode is going to be so helpful or if you want inspiration to follow your passion, that is also part of Maggie's journey. So Maggie, welcome to the podcast. How are you? We're so excited to see you and congratulations. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's been a, a really interesting time for me and I can't wait just to share with everybody my story and, and how I got started and how I ended up where I am right now. I know. Well, it's incredible that in 2020 that you're going to be able to share a story of business success. So we're going to get all we're going to get to all of that because it's such good news for all of our listeners. But first of all, Maggie and I know each other because our boys go to the same school. So you're very busy as a mom and a wife, but I just wanted to ask like first and foremost with all the craziness going on, how are you doing and how's your family doing? Oh, thanks. You know, we're doing well. Like everybody, you know, 2020 is just, it's unprecedented. We've never lived through a global pandemic, schools being shut down and everything. Um, but it's, it's also been a time where as a family, especially last spring, we were able to spend a lot of time together and connect and, um, and unplug and do things that we normally wouldn't, you know, have time to do because we didn't have sports or anything else. And, and so there's been a lot of lessons that we've, you know, come through. I have three little boys at home. And so, it's definitely um, a little bit of a fraternity around here. But, uh, you know, I have to say, all in all, with everything that's going on, you know, we feel lucky that we're happy and healthy and together. That's such a good silver lining. And now you have even more of a silver lining to share with your with your business news. Um, so why don't you take us back, though, first, Maggie, let's go back to the beginning. How did you even start the blog? Because I know out of college, you went to grad school and you weren't planning on starting the blog, right? This all just kind of happened accidentally. But um, and blogging wasn't really even a thing back when you started it in 2008, right? So how did you even start it? How did the idea come about for Rustic Wedding Chic? Yeah, so it's, it's a question I get all the time. And 
if you go back even a little further, like you said, from the time I was like 13, my favorite pastime would be to get a stack of wedding magazines and just flip through them. I love the dresses. I love the flowers. I loved everything about it. Um, and it just, it, it spoke to me. Um, I knew I used to say, I never want to be a wedding coordinator. That's not my skill set. Um, I'm not a designer. So I used to think like, how could I have a place in this world of weddings and beauty and elegance? Um, but, you know, and then of course I just, I went on my journey through high school and college and grad school. Um, and I come from a family where, you know, they're entrepreneurs. I have several family members who have gone on to make their own companies or their own businesses. And so I've always had that in me. Um, we laugh all the time. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I started at six years old with Maggie's Shell Shop. And I learned that if I picked up shells off the beach and sold them, I didn't have to pay for any inventory. You know, so it's always been there. I've had a wide variety of um, businesses. And so it wasn't uncommon that I would think of like a creative way to be able to expand something. And so when I got engaged in 2008, I was looking for ideas. So we were planning a very rustic yet elegant wedding at my family's small summer house in Northern Wisconsin. Um, and all of our family was coming from the East Coast and we were gonna like, this tiny town was gonna explode with all of these people. And I wanted to share this special place with everyone. Um, and I kept saying, I want it really elegant and, and rustic and beautiful. And I would try to communicate to the vendors and. This was before Pinterest. This is before Instagram. There was a handful of blogs, Style Me Pretty and a couple others, but we still were relying on like Martha Stewart Wedding Magazine to communicate our ideas. Um, and I would take a picture out of the magazine on my old Blackberry phone and try to send the picture to the vendor. And they'd go, you can't have a canoe filled with drinks. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you can. So I was like, man, there has got to be a better way to communicate and inspire, right, this journey. So I thought if I'm looking for this, there's other brides looking for this. Um, and it was this idea that I needed to be inspired. I needed to be, you know, had be guided through the process a little bit, um, but yet be able to share what I was, what I was trying to communicate. Um, and so I, it just kind of came out of like a really organic place. And I, I started sharing ideas on a very, very, like elementary platform for, for blogs, right? Like it was just about uploading a picture and writing a caption. I mean, it was very, it's not like what we have today, not sophisticated. Um, and there, there wasn't much competition back then. Like I said, there was a few wedding blogs, but we had a readership instantly. I mean, it blew my mind. Um, and then I just got deeper and deeper and deeper into it and figured out, okay, this really can be something and people are looking for this. And so how can we, bring them all the ideas, the inspiration, the vendors, um, you know, and really be part of making sure that their day is as successful as it can be. That's amazing. I love that you found that your niche and you went for it because I feel like that's where that light bulb moment happened for you. That's so awesome. So good for you. So then everyone that's going to be listening, everyone knows that with blogging, everyone wants their blog to be successful. So how did you even grow it? Right. Obviously, you know, like you said, there wasn't a ton of competition, but how did you grow it? Like, what's the secret to growing a blog? Right. So back then, you know, the idea was like, OK, I have the content and the idea and clearly there's a readership for this. But how can you monetize it? How do you make money off of it? And it wasn't as um, 
kind of clear as it is now and all the different ways that you can be paid as an influencer and you can have ads and branded content. You know, we're talking back to 2008 where I, I reached out to a couple of vendors on Etsy and I said, would you like to spend a little money with me? We'll put you on our site, you know, because that's where everybody was going for their sort of DIY wedding ideas and things at the time. And so I was like, for a small amount of money, you can be featured on our site. And they were like, absolutely. And then from there, little by little, things got more sophisticated. There was Google ads and, and, and companies would reach out and say, we want to do a sponsored post or branded content. Um, and then little by little, as our readership grew and our social grew, and I understood more how to monetize, I you know, was able to work with every large brand that you can think of. Um, in the wedding space. But I will say that one thing is when you realize as an entrepreneur, you don't know everything. So figure out what your skill set is and where you need to go get resources. So I did have to invest a little in having people consult with me. How can I build this out? Or from a tech side, I'm a creative person. So the tech side, I, we don't speak the same language. I had to go and find that, right? It doesn't always have to cost a lot of money, but I think when you recognize where the holes are that you won't be able to fill, then that's where you kind of create your little dream team. Yep. Outsourcing is huge. I even do that here on the podcast. So the tech part is definitely, we're very similar like that, Maggie. The tech part really makes my eyes like <laughs> turn in the back of my head and I'm like, no, no, that's not going to work out. But um, that's all such good advice. So if people you know, are interested in starting a blog, what is your best advice to just start a blog? What's your best advice for beginners? So I think one, it has to come, whatever your topic is, from a place of passion or of interest, because I didn't look at the landscape of weddings and say, oh, here's a hole. I can fill that, right? And I, that wouldn't have been very authentic. So if you love to cook, yes, there's a lot of cooking blog competition out there, but maybe it's not just cooking, right? So you start with like the big funnel and you work your way down. I knew I couldn't cover everything weddings because it didn't speak to me. It wasn't what I was doing. You know, so I, I, I started with this idea and then you funneled it down until you get really the important thing that speaks to you and where you're going to be able to connect with that reader. Um, and they see you as a, as an expert in this, you know, because you come from a place of passion, you have some experience in it, or, you know, you have a resource to provide them that they, they can't find someplace else. There's so many user-friendly platforms for blogging now that it's easy to get that tech side up and going to at least to start. But I always say you have to find a passion or something specific that you can communicate to your reader that they trust you on and that they're not going to go someplace else to find the information. I feel like just listening to you, that community, that word community, that's like one of my favorite words, but I feel like community is something that you, you really successfully built this amazing community around your blog. But I feel like part of your advice is that you want to make sure that you are, you know, taking care of your community and that you're serving your community. Right. I feel like that's a big, that's probably a big word for you too. Yeah. It, it is. And one thing is early on, I, I decided to think of Rustic Wedding Chic as a brand, right? Like it wasn't a big brand. It didn't have any investors. We started with like $1,600 out of my own savings account, but it was a brand. And if I thought about it like a brand and I treated it like a brand, even though it wasn't making money, I started to connect the pieces that 
anything I did, I said, does this come back to the brand? Does this make the brand stronger? Does this partnership, does this advertiser, does this opportunity help the brand or does it create conflict or confusion for the consumer? So when I started to think about it like that, I started to see the opportunities and where I could successfully grow the brand. And anything we did, I tried to always say, how is this serving my community of readers, right? Is it just a bunch of junk on a post and, and do they know that I was paid for that? No, that's not what I want. Um, so I would think about that community and especially that journey as a bride, that if you've planned your wedding, you've been through it. It's like when you're a first time mom, like you read all the books, like you don't know what you're doing, but planning your wedding, it's very similar. You, it seems so easy to us. Like, oh, of course you have to do your guest list like this, or of course you can find inspiration here, but they're starting from scratch. And so it's that opportunity to educate your reader and your community along the way um, in a very nice sort of like cohesive relationship that like I'm providing this and I'm going to help you do this. Um, and even though, you know, it's virtual and you never see them or meet them or, you know, that community, you're all kind of trying to go to the same thing. Now, I know a big part of, of, of your brand is on social media and all the platforms you've built this huge following, but, um, I love your Instagram, by the way, it's so good. Um, and so impressive. So you currently have, I checked this morning, 117,000 followers on Instagram. So that's so incredible, incredible and mind blowing to so many people I'm sure that are listening, but how did you even start? Because to be honest with you in 2008, when you started this blog, that was when I joined Facebook for the yeah. first time I was a new mom with Charlie and I joined Facebook and I was like, what is this thing? So how did you even grow social media? And then I want to talk more about some tips on social too, but how did you even grow your social media? Cause I'm so impressed by what you've been able to do. Thank you. Yeah, it is true. When I started in 2008, like I said, there is no Pinterest, there is no Instagram. I mean, definitely dating myself, but when those tools came along and, you know, I, I would see the value. I was on Pinterest before there was a business Pinterest. I was on Instagram before there was a business Instagram. You know, I saw the value. Some of them work out down the road and others don't, but you have to at least try. And so I quickly realized that Instagram allowed us to be able to share way more information, ideas and pictures and things than we would ever have time to run on an editorial side of Rustic Wedding Chic. So it was an extension. Not everything you see on, on that Instagram, it you know links back to us. It's just an extension of how we can inspire them. I did make a big, like dedicated business strategy, you know, sort of um, effort in 2017. And I said, I looked at it and I like, we were doing fine on Instagram, but I was just sharing the content that was on Rustic Wedding Chic. And I was like, this is, this is not right. This is not right. I'm just duplicating the content. Yes, I'm trying to drive traffic back, but I'm like, no, 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 I'm thinking about it all wrong. I need to expand the community. And so I was, then I stopped sharing everything that was on Rust Wedding Chic and I started um, re-putting up images that people were submitting or tagging us in or all those other things. And that's when I really started to see it grow. And I became passionate. I always say discipline. Like I, the reason I, I could work for myself for 12 years is because I did treat it 
like it's a job, right? No, I had no boss, but at the same time, I knew I had to, you know, if the company is going to be successful, you have to do all the things that you need to do. You're, I said, I'm a CEO and a janitor and everything in between, but that's okay. I have to fill all those roles. So I became, I was always very disciplined with the editorial and reaching out for ads and making sure we were monetizing. And when I added in, you know, the social media, basically really focusing on Instagram because it's so image heavy. I set up a plan and I said, okay, we're now we're only doing one post a day. Okay. We're going to move to four posts a day and um, we're going to move to six stories a day. And so I crafted a plan and I gave my date, my like 60 days. Right. And I said, okay, after 60 days, I'm going to see, did I gain followers? Was it too hard to keep up with? Was I trying to overachieve, you know, and after the 60 days, I said, oh, look how we've grown. And it grew better when I shared so-and-so's picture or pictures of barns went crazy. Okay. Add that to the list that, you know, at least every day there should be a picture of blah, blah, blah. Um, pictures of wedding cakes, you know, they're universal, right? They're, so it, everybody liked it. So they would get more likes and, and more comments. And so once I started to track a little bit of what I was doing and what worked and of course, what didn't work, because there are some things I'd put up and it'd be like major bomb. Um, you start to see where you need to concentrate those efforts. And then I, I think really is you have to interact with your community. If they feel like I would put up a picture of a wedding dress and I'd get a million comments and they said, where's this dress from or who what's this dress style or and if I didn't give them that information back, they feel like betrayed, you know, they're trying desperately to get that information. So it's connecting the whole loop. You can't just serve them inspiration without serving them to then take it to the next resource. Um, you know, you can't do that with everything. We'd get pictures submitted. No one would tell us, you know, who the designer was, but for the most part, it's trying to connect the inspiration with giving them the resource to then go and either buy it or book it or whatever the service or the good is. Um, and so once I started looking at the community there and I didn't have a social media manager and it's hard to keep up with, you know, um, you can't be on your phone all the time. You can't just be answering comments. But when you say, OK, from 11 to 12 every day, I post Instagram, I follow new people, I go ahead and um, answer comments, you focus in on it and you see steady, steady gains for sure. I think everyone now is going to go post a lot of pictures of barns because it sounds like that was, that was huge. Um, I love that. So, okay. So now in 2020 on social media, what are your best tips? What's your favorite platform right now? Where do you see like the most opportunity for growth? Obviously, you know, Instagram is my jam, but um, tell us, you know, what, it, what is, what does Maggie think? Yeah. So I think you have, again, it's like goes back to the brand, right? So for us, and we look at who who our reader is or our consumer, and they're in a certain age group. And for me, Instagram is my thing too. I love it. Does TikTok have a service? Does it have a place? Yeah, but you know, not so much for what I'm trying to communicate. Um, and then Facebook, it has it has a different path to, to communicate to your to your readers. So I love Instagram. Um, I still love Pinterest. I, I think it's, you know, really fun to be able to see a lot of ideas. Um, and then I think zeroing in on tools that sometimes don't come to mind, like we all know Instagram and we all know those other social platforms, but there's ways to be inspired and gain knowledge that then you can share with your readers. Um, and so I would, I would go out and I would read other people's blogs and see what they were doing 
or I would, um, you know, sometimes like a focus group would come up and they'd want to know what's going, you know, what are our thoughts as influencers? Those sort of things are very, very valuable because they're just going to help lead you down your path. Is your main thing as far as advice for growing on social media, is it consistency or what is like your best advice for growing right now? Yeah, I would say it's definitely consistency because if you come and go, your follower doesn't sort of get into like this, this, this thing with you, right? Where like they get, they look forward to your post. They want to see what you have. So consistency, and then just always trying to bring it back to on brand because Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I have three little boys, but I never was sharing what was going on personally on Rustic Wedding Chic and vice vice versa because I wasn't a mom blogger, right? So it it didn't fit for Rustic Wedding Chic. Um, so again, you have to come back to what does that audience want to see? Because if you're serving them things that they don't want to see, they they start to lose interest in you. Mm-hmm. So definitely consistency. Definitely make sure it's on brand, and then. There's, you know, collaborating, even with people, as you see as competitors, it, it, it's actually a very valuable thing to collaborate on things and expand your footprint um, that way. So it doesn't always have to be a negative. How did the relationship with David's bridal start? Tell us a little bit about the, the thought process there. Yeah, you know, over the years, I never had um, an exit strategy, as they say in business, which is really funny. Well, you're an entrepreneur, so you don't really think like like, that, right? Yeah. You know, I didn't didn't know. I I, I loved what I was doing. The blog was successful enough that I could make a living at it. I also, you know, was doing TV shows and writing books. And so diversifying how you bring in some of that income to the company. Um, So I never really had like an end game. I, I would often think how can I at some point attach Rustic Wedding Chic to a larger company that's going to be able to expand it beyond what I can do? We're, in when I say we at Rustic Wedding Chic are a very small company, we have one person, that's me. I've done it all. I've contracted out with other people for help along the way at different things, but we're not a big company at all. So I used to say that I know there's limitations to what I can do, And I want to continue to serve my reader and expand what we can offer her. And so when I thought, do I invest and start creating my own toolkits and planning things, you know, that they can, I was like, that's not the best use of my time and resources. So it it really started in 2018. I thought to myself, okay, it would be great to be able to partner with someone, a brand, um, you know, whether it's acquired by them or a partnership. I mean, there's so many different ways to go, but I really wanted to be able to expand what Rustic Wedding Sheet could do. And I knew the limitations that we had. So I just kind of, you know, I didn't do it like formally. I, I didn't sign up with a broker, you know, none of that. I, I used a lot of the contacts that I had created over 12 years. I thought very strategically about what kind of home I wanted Rustic Wedding Sheet to end up in. Um, and I went down the path with a couple of different companies along the way, and some seemed like a good fit. And when we got closer, you know, down the road, it was like, no, this isn't going to serve Rustic Wedding Chic in the long run, you know. So it, it does take about, it's like, I mean, such cliche, but it's like finding like the one when you're married. Like I had to find the one. And I'd worked with David's Bridal over the years, of course. We would share their images, their new collections, their dresses. Um, But something popped in my head one day and I thought to myself, dream scenario, like, where would I want this to live? And I thought, David's bridal. 
yes, I want to be able to bring this. I love what they do. They're selling dresses. They're, um, you know, they have a dress for everyone, a size for everyone, a budget for everyone. They have planning um, toolkit where you can have all your checklists and a vision board. I mean, you, you can do so much with David's bridal. I mean, it really is serving her as through her journey in all these ways. And I thought to myself, if we could be part of that, it would just be amazing. And I, I took some time to find the right contacts and, and work through people that I'd already talked with or worked with through the years. And, um, it was, you know, like I said, it's, it was not a formal, like going on the market sort of thing. And so we sat down and had a conversation and that's always how I've done the best business. I sit down with someone, they can tell I'm passionate about it. It came from a place of love. Um, and I just laid out everything that I've done for 12 years and how I saw that David's bridal is the perfect place for rustic wedding chic to land. Um, and you know, we, we talked about where David's bridal was going and I just was amazed. I love the styles. I, I love what they're doing. I love where, you know, this, they've been in business for 70 years. They certainly know how to make a darn good wedding dress. Um, and so I, I was kind of, you know, swept off my feet and I thought if I could make this work, this would just be amazing. And it was one of those mutual things like you know, I had things to offer them that they didn't have. Like we have our vendor directory with over 5,000 vendors on it. They don't have that. So I was able to show them I have this, right? Like I'm not a big company and, um, you know, but I have something that you don't have and together we can make it so much bigger and, you know, really just build that out. And so when, when I saw that they had what I needed and I had some things that they needed, when we came together, it really was a complete sort of circle. Um, yeah. And it just, it, it was definitely an interesting learning uh, curve through business. I've never worked through like mergers and acquisitions, you know, so it was, it was a different part of being an entrepreneur, but I couldn't be happier that not only did Rustic Wedding Chic end up at the home that I thought would be the best for it, but they also offered me the position of coming over as the vice president, focusing on partnerships and, you know, business development and, and strategy um, for the entire company. And I was like, yes, I can't wait to not only have my, my baby, you know, land there, but I want to be able to be part of now this bigger picture that's going to drive, you know, all of this success. And so it was, it was really, it was a dream scenario. Tell us like what it's been like to try to make this business deal come together in 2020, like during a global pandemic, because first of all, I feel like, you know, you're one of the few that can share a business success story in this, in this crazy year, but just, I'm sure there was just a lot of, strange things going on in the business while, while you guys were trying to make this deal happen. Of course. I mean, like we said, 2020 unprecedented, like how do you have conversations on this sort of scale over zoom and, and phone calls with people in different time zones. And, and that's kind of what was happening. And so thank goodness our first conversation was in person because they could see my passion. I could see their passion for their company. But it, it was tricky. And I again, I went back to that idea of I have a certain skill set, um, contracts, having a lawyer, you know, um, all of these things, financial help to make sure because you have to, you know, everything they need to make this combination come together. I went back to this idea of I know my skill set. I'm going to bring in people to help me along the way. 
um, where it's needed so that it can be the most successful. So I, I, that's what I did. I went out and I found, again, it doesn't have to cost a lot of money, right? Sometimes people think, oh, I can't go out. It's going to cost me a ton. But when you surround yourself with people who can give you a skill set or help you through something that you don't have, it just means you're going to end up in a much more successful place than before. Um, and so that, that, that's kind of how I, I did it. Um, and it was, I came on to David's at the end of July and it just took much longer for every, all the little pieces to come together for the, um, for rustic wedding chic to officially come over. So it's like the secret that I I've been sitting on it since March. Um, you know, and then once we got it figured out little by little and I couldn't wait to share the news. Um, and, and so it's, it's definitely one it's an interesting process during 2020. I will say that the, you know, the wedding market, so many people have had to postpone their wedding, but they've gotten creative. So, you know, every year there's about 2 million weddings and in 2021, there's going to be 3 million, right? This is what our data is telling us. So everybody who pushed their wedding from 2020 and then everyone who was planning on 2021 anyway. So it's a huge year for weddings. And what we saw at David's Bridal as well is that people embraced this. Look, nobody could do anything about this. This wasn't regional. It's not a hurricane or, you know, one of those things that, you know, really disrupts someone's wedding, but it's just kind of, you know, regional or specific to them. Everybody was going through this. So we saw people get creative. They had the Zoom wedding. They had a mini money. They did a backyard small thing with five people, 10 people. And they still, for the most part, what people tell us, they're going to have that big celebration. They're waiting until they can, but it was important to them to mark the day that they either were going to say I do or, you know, it, it that's important. And so we saw that, you know, a lot of people came back to David's Bridal and they were choosing occasion dresses and jumpsuits and short little white dresses because it was important to them not only to have their big, beautiful gown for the day where they could really embrace the full experience, but they wanted to mark this important thing, this important day in their life. And so you know, there was small little steps along the way, but we certainly know that our our brides are going to be able to celebrate hopefully really soon with that dream wedding day. Yeah, 2021 is just going to be huge for you guys at David's Bridal and Rustic Wedding Chic. I can't wait to keep up with it all. It's almost like the real estate market in Connecticut, Maggie, right? It's like so hot right now. It's like brides, Real estate, it's like, the, those are some business silver linings for sure. But so Maggie, now that you're on the other side of it, what do big brands and big companies want to see right now from bloggers and from Instagram influencers? I know. And you know, what's funny is I always used to think, well, if my following gets to X number, then I'll get this brand or, um, you know, and, and, and actually that wasn't always the case. There's like the quantity versus quality and any big brand always comes back to the idea of, is this supporting our mission? Is this representing the brand in the right way? And that's what I was talking about before is like, even though you're not a company, if you think of yourself like that, you're going to start to have that, you know, train yourself to really bring everything back to the brand. So it really is important, whoever we work with, and we do work with influencers and things that it's not always about quantity. We want to see quality. Of course, you know, having a good following means that they're going to have the most exposure, but it's also about picking the right person. And so if they're 
quality of their content is up to snuff. If we feel they can represent the brand in the in the best way and they believe in sort of what we're doing, because you know, consumers are savvy. They can see through paid advertising here and there. And and that doesn't work. I used to be very specific on Rustic Wedding Chic. I'm like, just because you have a wedding something brand, my my reader is going to see through that. So I think it's about making sure that everything you do is comes back to what you can represent and, and how you can represent working with these big companies um, because it's, their main mission is to always make sure that they're serving their client in the best possible way, 100% at all times. Yeah, I think being authentic too is so huge too. Just being you as a blogger and an influencer and not trying to be something that you're not, because like you said, everyone can see right through that, right? So um, Maggie, take if you could take COVID out of the picture, if you could take this global pandemic out of the picture, what is your Maggie's ideal wedding location, wedding venue right now? Like if you could plan someone's dream wedding without COVID, without all of this craziness, what what would it be? What would it look like? Yeah, I, I'm still really passionate about the fact that I wanted a barn wedding. And I think I was so set on the fact that I didn't get a barn wedding. I had a lovely rustic wedding, but there wasn't a barn in the tiny town where we have our summer house that I think it drove my whole passion for the company. I mean, I have a whole book called Barn Weddings. Um, so I still think barn weddings can be amazing from where they were 12 years ago, they've gotten sophisticated and there's like a modern feel to them. So I think a barn or some sort of space like that, that you can just create however you want. It's like a blank slate. You know, I mean, I've seen some like warehouse weddings that blow your mind because they just that they have, they're not restricted, you know, by the space or that it looks a certain way. So I still, I feel very passionate. I would love, love, to plan a barn wedding with, you know, beautiful lighting and, um, you know, sometimes the, the dinners in the barn and the dancing's outside or vice versa. You know, I always say that there's a barn for everybody because there's a million different types. There's modern, there's shabby chic, there's country, there's rustic, you know, um, boho and vintage looking. I mean, it's all over the place. So I would, I would say definitely a barn wedding for sure. Okay. I love that. I got to I'm going to go um, check out your Instagram and check out all your barn wedding photos. I'm sure that everyone's going to be following along. So Maggie on Instagram, how can everyone find rustic wedding chic? Is that the best place your Instagram? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a great place to start. So our handle is rustic wedding chic, the same with Pinterest and Facebook and, and then rustic wedding chic.com of course takes you to the website. We also have our vendor directory that links off the website, but it's also called the rusticweddingguide.com. Um, and it has 6,000 vendors, but I always say like, if from a blog standpoint, start with what we're doing on social and how it connects back to like just even the homepage, just kind of figure out what that homepage feels like. You don't have to drill down super far to see that what we're doing kind of crosses over between our social and, you know, our emails and everything else. It's very cohesive. And Maggie, I feel like there's another book in the works for you. What do you think? I feel like all your, all this experience as an entrepreneur and all this amazing business advice 
might 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 mean uh, book number seven. What do you think? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I I don't I don't know. I I swore at one point I was like I'm I'm not writing anymore, and that was like book three. So, um, my my latest wedding book is Modern Romantic Weddings, and that came out last November, and it's it just it expands the look and feel of all of the sort of weddings that we cover. Um, I, for a long time, I used to think about writing a, a business book or a motherhood slash business entrepreneur book. Um, I wrote a very successful series of articles, um, for, uh, one outlet and it was called, um, the naptime entrepreneur, because when I started, when, I mean, I started the brand, didn't have any children. And then of course, down the road, after being married for a couple of years, we welcomed our first son and the business was really taking off. But I then had this child and it, I used to say, okay, I, I can work while he naps and get the most important things done. And, um, you know, I, I have written blog posts and given interviews where they can't see that I'm nursing or anything else. And so I do think about inspiring people that just because you have a limitation, whether whatever it is, financial limitation or time limitation, like a mom, right? Like we're so spread thin. Um, you can create something, baby steps along the way. So yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm often wanting to share that advice and inspire women, especially mothers to continue to follow your passion um, and find find a way to bring it to life somehow. That's amazing. Well, you're inspiring all of us, Maggie. And I just wanted to say again, huge congratulations on your good news. Thanks for sharing your good news here because you know I love it so much, but I'm so excited for you and so proud of you. And mm -hmm. as a fellow mom, I just want to say you really are inspiring inspiring and motivating all of us. So even oh. in 2020, there's, <laughs> there's success out there. So congratulations, Maggie. And thanks so much for being here on the podcast. Thanks. I appreciate it, Nina. Thank you for listening to my mom's podcast. Remember, you can find Nina's Got Good News on iTunes and Spotify, also on Google Play, Stitcher, and Outcast. And now we are also on Pandora. Please be sure to subscribe. Also rate and review all her podcasts too. And be sure to share it with a friend. The mission of this podcast is to get better together as a community in the audio space. Please follow my mom on Instagram. Her handle is Nina B. Clark. Don't forget, Clark has an E at the end of it. For now, I'm Blaine Clark. Thank you again for listening, and let's just keep being awesome. XOXO.